This is Colossus, and you are listening to The High Regard Show. The High Regard Show. It's... Pregnancy is never... Um, it's a wonderful thing for the woman. It's a wonderful thing for the husband. It's certainly an inconvenience for a business. Check out The High Regard Show. New episodes every Monday. Hey everybody, I'm Tom. And I'm Nikki. And this is the High Regard Show. In which we talk about things we hold in high regard. Very high. High above Harlem. Way up on the third floor. Moving on up. Oh, it don't get better than that. No, sir, it doesn't. And welcome to the show. Hello, hello, everyone. So, I think we should just be up front. This is now the third time we're recording this show. It sure is, it sure is, but that means that this one's going to be the best one yet. Let's see what happens. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, we're in the middle of doing a bunch of stuff. This is going to be a pretty quick show for everybody today. So, let's get right into a You Heard, and then move on with it. Alrighty then. This week's You Heard kind of is fitting to, you know, the things that happened within the past week here in America, and it comes to us from on Broadway between 57th and 58th Street, and I overheard someone who said, I was like, fuck this guy. Is that this week's You Heard? Well, you don't have a comment or anything? I don't, because I totally agree with it. <laughs> I mean, we're not saying that that was per, tr- like, you know, in regards to Trump, but might as well have been. Yeah, I think so. And that's this week's You Heard. I told you quick. Quick is quick. Quick like rabbits. Oh, my gosh. So, um, this week's show, we wound up binging as we tend to do when we're housebound. And uh, we got to, like, binge on some stuff that was really, really fun. We got to binge on stuff that was kind of dramatic. And then we got to binge on some stuff that was very disturbing. Guess which one we're going to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (coughs) So disturbing it is. Disturbing it is because I think we have to, um, you know, and I don't know if you've been living under a rock or if you just don't care about certain things that are happening in the world. But, you know, Hulu has been putting out some really great content. And among its greatest, in my opinion, is The Handmaid's Tale. Um, which is based on a 1985 book by Margaret Atwood, which I actually read as a teenager. So imagine like an innocent little teenager in white bread America reading this book and being disturbed by like, wow, like this is a pretty scary dystopian novel. And then fast forward 20 some years and you're like, holy shit, this is a reality that could very well be in the works given some of the actions of our current president. 
well, I feel like it definitely is in the works right now. Like, there's no doubt. Like, you could just, it's so timely that they release this now Mm -hmm. rather than, you know, any other time over the last, what? I mean, it came out like in the 80s, right? Right. The book came out in the 80s. Um, It was also a 1990 film. Okay. And then there was an opera in 2000 and, you know, various other, you know, like a stage production, et cetera, and so forth. But this is like... Mainstream, mainstream. Yeah, this is like a big, big, like you know... Like 30 years after the fact. Yeah. And I mean, it, it's just super, super timely. Like, and I don't know if that was something that, like, Hulu was tapping into or if it was just... I mean, it's... It's a really, really well-written story. I mean, I haven't read it in, you know, quite some time, but I remember reading it and then, like, reading it again, like, a few years later because it's the kind of story, especially as a woman, that, you know, just kind of stays with you. Like, I know we wanted to watch it the other night at, like, 10.30, and I was like, I can't do that. I can't go to bed with, like, that on my conscience because it's it stinks of reality, and that re- that stink, like stays with you and haunts you. I mean, I know it does me. You well, know? you write about it every single day for the most part. <laughs> That's part of your job. So True. now, to, you know, to actually watch it on TV when you get home. I mean, when you come home, you don't even want to watch the news. Right. No. Like, and when there's, you know, and when on my days off, I very rarely, like, I try not to go on social media. I just to give myself that breathing space because covering hard news, you know, in my life, it's, it's, there's no separation of, you know, personal and professional anymore because it's so like I'm so upset as a human and then I'm also upset as a journalist having to report this completely unbiased. So it's it's a hard to- line to tell. Um, but if you don't know anything about The Handmaid's Tale, um, again, it was written in 1985 by Margaret Atwood and the TV series is, you know, based on that. She was involved in the making of it. And, you know, it's set in the Republic of Gilead which is a military dictatorship formed within what was once known as the United States of America. And it's basically run by this fundament- this Christian fundamentalist movement mm-hmm. that um, calls itself the Sons of Jacob. And it suspends the U.S. Constitution and chaos and Ensues. anarchy. Like, not, not so much anarchy, but, you know, chaos and dictatorship and horribleness just, you know, ensues. Yes. And especially given the fact that uh, this week, you know, the separation of church and state kind of got a little bit more narrow as... Yeah, I'd say very much more narrow at this point in time. Yes, as, you know, it's going to be easier um, due to a wonderful executive order that was signed uh, last Thursday that employers can deny birth control to women based on their religious beliefs. So, you know, going going into that, you know, we started watching the show because everybody was talking about it. And I mean, it's beautifully shot. It stars Elizabeth Moss, who is just she, she's an amazing actress. And yeah, you, you know, when you mentioned that and like looking at her, like originally, it's kind of like going, I don't know, she's like the weird girl. But then as it goes on, you kind of just I don't know, man, you like kind of get drawn into her character so right, much because right. you're just. Every sci-fi thing that's on for the most part, you can look at and just be like, you know, I just don't want to – I can't believe that any of that is true for the most part. Good movies to me are where you put yourself into it. Right, like watching Legion, which, you know, we're also kind of watching in tandem. Right. You know, we – um like, it's kind of like, okay, like, yeah, there are people – like, maybe there are telepathic people, maybe. But, like (laughs) – 
you know, for the most part, when you watch something like on the Sci-Fi Network or you watch a science fiction, like this is not science fiction. This is dystopian. This is post-apocalyptic, technically. Right. You know, it's this- an escape. It, like, like Legion is an escape. This is like, you know, kind of like a calling where it's like, this is right around the corner, man. Like all the signs are there. Right. So, you know, that's the scary thing about that is that, you know, you look at it and you just say, this could actually happen. So it's one of those movies that you cannot watch for us late at night, you know, especially for you. But, (laughs) you know, I think that like, like I said, the signs are there and people are seeing this stuff happen. Right. I mean, like women are already paid less. We're already considered the weaker sex. We've fought, you know, the entire last hundred years to for equality, for, you know, to be taken seriously as as women in the workforce. And, you know, so we've we've we're kind of starting out like hundreds of steps back and we've made a lot of strides over the years you know the 60s birth control women's rights everything like that and now it's like i mean the the whole part like the the whole thing kind of starts in the handmaid's tale and of course we're not going to give too much away but we have to discuss a little bit about what's happening so you have right you know this is kind of what it's about right so you're able to kind of see like it kind of starts and like and it's shot you know in present day and then she flashes back to the time before when she lived in a time that looked pretty much like what we look like yeah. now, you know? I mean, it's it's a little, there's a little more people with guns, but, you know, we, I see, I work in the financial district, you know, and I've worked there for the past five years. So I've seen the men standing on the corner with, with you know, assault rifles guarding the Fed or when 9-11 comes around, the anniversary of 9-11 comes around. Like I see the, like we see the increased police you know forces and stuff and especially now with Trump and Trump Tower and Melania and Barron living there like we see increased armed police so it's not you know it's not like oh my god oh my god like you know someone from the Midwest would see that and be like oh my god like it's like a whatever yeah but if anybody came into the city into Penn Station they would see those same right yeah guards everywhere so it's not shocking and those are the kind of things that you see in The Handmaid's Tale it's like okay there's people with guns on the street but like if you live in a big city, especially one that is possibly a target for a terrorist attack, you know, which happens a lot, and, you know, just look at the news, you know, so that's not something that's like, oh my God, that's like so far-fetched for, for us to see. But it kind of starts, like you see like the cracks starting to come when, you know, um, Elizabeth Moss' character, she her, her name is of Fred, but before in the time before she was known as June. And... You know, she tries to buy a cup of coffee with her best friend at a coffee shop, just like you probably tried to do this morning. And her credit card was declined. And she's like, no, there's money in the account. I know this. Like, you know, just like you would. Like, okay, let me go home and call the credit card company. She goes home and she finds out that because her credit card has an F where it asks what the sex is, her credit card has been shut down. Mm. Yes. So, you know, and it it starts like, you know, rights of women are starting to be taken away from that, like, you know, going forward from there. And then all of a sudden they're not allowed to work and then they're not allowed to read. And then you get into the story that she is telling as the handmaid. Right. And, you know, I want to go back to the guard thing really quick when you were talking about like, you know, the armed guards everywhere and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Growing up, I used to come to the city a lot with my parents. And you would never see anything like that. 
All Even that, in like when you came to the city at when the city was like right there was the shit when it when when New York City was that city that you were like don't go to New York City right yeah no there was nothing like that there was you know there was police you know but there was no you know army people or like military holding rifles like you know at the major stations or right. seen them on the streets or whatever in certain areas never at any point after nine eleven. The military came into the city, mm-hmm. and when the military came into the city for nine eleven to protect the city as it was at the time, they just never left. So it was kind of like an opening to get the military into Manhattan, and now it's just people just forgot about it. Right, it just became a way of life. Right, and and that's how things like this can happen, where you just you know there's an opening where people will be like, "Oh, that makes sense to allow that." Right, especially because, you know, you you look at how, you know, we want to be this open sanctuary country. So many cities want to be sanctuary cities and are sanctuary cities and are in fear of losing, you know, funding because they refuse to, you know, penalize undocumented immigrants or illegals if you're that kind of person and want to call them that. You know, but that, like, it was done under the guise of, like, protecting from them, them, you know, and that's... You know, and granted, that's what we needed at a time, but... But I always feel that it's protecting from something else that allows or, people to come in. Or allowing something else to start. Right. Because, I mean, just think, like, you know, just think of, like, going back to the beginning of time, like, with anarchy and people, like, you know, doing whatever they wanted to, and they, people needed to put laws in place. And the only way they can do that is by saying, you know, you are angering a mythical creature that might or may not exist and and then you know religion is born and you know now all of a sudden it's kind of like yes there was a terror attack you know here right. years ago there really hasn't been too many terror attacks on american soil and then all of a sudden they're like you know well we got to protect you from this and I'm not saying anything bad about the military. They're just coming in and they actually did their function. But right. the fact that they never left kind of sets the stage for another story somewhere down the road for a dystopian future, which is basically if this country was ever to revolt against what was going on, the military is already in major cities to stop it from happening. Right. And you don't have the guns to match the guns that they have. So right. already you that being that door was already open, you lost the fight already. Right. Because they already put what they needed to in place. Right. So, sorry, go on. Oh, no, that's okay. No, I mean you're you're it's it's true. Like, you know, th- and that's what makes this such a scary reality because it's it's things that are happening that are already happening and it would just be very easy to kind of just have that shift and like you're seeing changes done you know up with legislation and things like that that are already working to take rights away from people that are deemed less worthy women gays african americans minorities you know it it's it's already happening right and and there's very 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 few um characters outside of white characters in this right so you can tell already that it was kind of like you know they they haven't explained what happened to these people yet but you can only imagine that this world that is in the handmaid's tale is a world that you know 
Right. Ideally, the current regime would like to see in place. Exactly. (laughs) And that's what's so frightening is because they're tailoring things to make what they want work, regardless of whether it's constitutional or not. And, you know, in this society that The Handmaid's Tale is living in, you know, it's that constitution has been blown to bits and taken into what they want it to be like they rewrote it and you know that's kind of what's what we can see happening so people are relegated you know there's men and there's women and men have their own set of you know their own like caste system and so do women and women are either you know they're categorized as as two main things fertile and barren and the fertile women are very important because you know they need to keep up the great white race and you know the great believe like the the followers of you know that i think they call them the faithful um Mm -hmm. i don't think we haven't gotten too deep into that because hulu only hulu released the first three episodes and then now you know the fourth episode came out this week so or last week and then this week the fifth episode will come out on hulu every wednesday so you know we're not too far like we're not gonna we haven't we don't know yet what's gonna happen you know and i don't know buffer it's slowing us down it is it is damn you like when we want to binge we want to binge it all so that we could just be upset for days instead of like several hours a week (laughs) yes but you know so women are split into these categories of wives daughters and handmaids and handmaids are kind of like the important they're they're the more important of like the lesser grade of women because wives are you know the wives of the affluent and the daughters are the daughters of the affluent people and then the handmaids are fertile women who do shopping and they also do the childbearing for couples that need that And then you have, um, like, the aunts, who are the people who, like, monitor the handmaidens, train them, punish them if need be. You know, because there's, they call the eye. Like, the eye is always watching. It's Big Brother, you know, 5.0, kind of, technically. Right. You know, and then there's Marthas, who are older women who no longer can bear children, who do, you know, the the domestic skills. Like, they're cooks, and they take care of the handmaidens and, and things like that. So, and then there's there's other casts like whores and things like that. that Jezebels, will, they're Jezebels. Jezebels, Jezebels. Yes. I just wanted to say the word whore. Uh-huh. <laughs> the Jezebels haven't yet to be introduced yet. Right, in the show, but, you know. But they're coming. They're coming, yes. Uh, no pun intended. <laughs> you know, and here's another weird thing about, like, the show. It's called The Handmaiden's Tale. Handmaid's Tale. Handmaid's Tale? Mm-hmm. Should be like The Boxmaid's Tale. They do nothing with their hands. <laughs> there's no there's no hand things going on at all because like all they do is basically lay between the legs of you know the the wife, the wife mm-hmm. while the commander the, the commander like tries to impregnate them. Right. And it's not like and and it's it's there's no emotion it's very ritualistic. Yes, it's it, and they they call it the ceremony. Oh, like yes. and there's not even, you know, any warmth between because right now, you know, we're just seeing the relationship between Offred, Elizabeth Moss's character and her commander who is played by Joseph Fiennes and his wife, Serena Joy, who I don't know the name of the actress and I don't feel like looking it up. So I shan't. We ain't experts. But, <laughs> but there's a cold like it, like when you're seeing the scenes of the ceremony it's extremely cold you know and of course you know the wives 
as any woman would having a woman lay between her legs to fuck her husband or be fucked by her husband because there's no word that you can call it. It's not lovemaking. It's not sex. It's ritualistic fucking, you know, that that's pretty much what it is. So you see like what you can, you can imagine what it must, the horror must be like for Offred who had a husband and a daughter and a life before this where you could have sex with your husband and be warm and loving. And then this to this, this is your only interaction. Like there's no touching at all with anyone. You never see like the husband, like the commander and his wife embrace each other. And like, I'm a very touchy feely. I'm a very, like we, we hold hands, we snuggle. Like I, I'm very like, that's the kind of relationship that I need because like, I just like, I'm a very loving person. I would like to think, you know? So it's like, so hard for me to see that like wow like I would not be able to handle never being like having my hand held or an arm around me or embrace like there's just that comfort that comes with that and it's very akin to what I see between like Donald and Melania like you see how cold like they are not loving in any way whatsoever with each other but also I feel like she. This is what she's become used to. Melania. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. And, yeah. and it's also like when you see this, it's like it just goes to show like what anyone can become used. You can get used to anything at all given enough time. So, you know, as I'm watching this, I'm like, why isn't there more of a revolt? Because I think some people are going to always think that way, and it's like going, there has to be some kind of revolt. If if you don't like it, like take it back. Right, where, you know, you see, like, us protesting, you know, you you see protests all the time. Right, but with us protesting, well, I mean, not us in Yeah, like, just I mean, us we as do a, it as other a, ways, like, we as sit a people, here yeah. and do this. But I've attended protests, I've covered them. I've attended protests, I've been to a couple of protests, not least recently, but, I mean, in yeah. my younger days, I've done I've some protesting. Been, I had to cover a pro-Trump protest nice. as part of my job. <laughs> well, there you go. It's good to know both sides. <laughs> but, you know, what's strange is we were talking last night about, like, watching the news. Because the president came into the city. Mm-hmm. And usually in front of Trump Tower where he lives, there's always security. Like, like, like military police and whatnot, like mm-hmm. there. And there's and barricades what, yeah. set up. And there's always a group protesting in front of Trump's tower. It's not uncommon to see, like, groups of people, like, with signs and stuff like that. Yeah. And, like, you know, we're not saying, like, thousands and thousands. But, yeah, like, yeah. On, on a daily basis, there's probably there, – there's always some kind of group of people. Throughout a 24-hour period, there's probably a couple of hundred that, like, cycle through, yeah. I would say. That's probably a fair number. And then, you know – like, just this past week when he came, people were planning these protests and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It was quick. It, I mean, it was, like we were saying last night, like, he decided at the last minute, and then, like, the plans yeah. got changed. I mean, it had to be brought together quickly. But where in the city of millions of people, even a small fraction of that would make a massive group come together. Right. If you just took the people who were leaving work in that area, because all it is is, like you know, 20, 30, 50 story office buildings. Right. Like filled with people, even if just a fraction of them came down to protest the fact that like, you know, healthcare is getting totally destroyed. Women's rights are getting totally destroyed. Gay and lesbian rights are getting like taken. Right. Like all of this stuff. 
even if just a fraction of those people came down, there would be bigger groups. But that night when he came into the city and we were watching on the news, we were looking at it and saying, it doesn't look like there's many more people there than what there usually that are normally is. normally there, yeah. So, I mean, you're starting to see people wear down. Like, right, and and it was, and and the police were like expecting, and I didn't, I didn't see this with. I mean, again, I avoid, you know, Fifth Avenue, I avoid Trump Tower, but I'm never usually in that neighborhood anyway, so there's no reason for me to to go there. Um, but you know, when they were showing it on the news, they put like dump trucks in front of Trump Tower because they were expecting a humongous turnout because there were the three protests that were going on one at Trump Tower even though he wasn't going to be there and it was known before that he was not going to stay where Melania and Barron still live he went to his golf club in New Jersey right but it's just strange that like the people are to a point where they're already getting used to it like we're already getting used to the changes to the point where we're like going well this is what it is and we're not fighting against it which is why this show is so you know relatable right now because you you're like going there's no way this can actually happen and i think what's scary about it is is that we're actually watching it happen and we're seeing how it's happening right and like you know there's even a scene um i don't know if it was in this past episode or if it was in the one from the week before where offred in her past life attends a protest with her friend Right. And, you know, there wasn't like a lot of people, but like they were, you know, doing what protests do. They have signs and they're yelling and they're getting in the face of the military that was there to try and keep order. And then, you know, we're not we won't give anything away, but like things take a turn. And it's like, wow, like this could really be a way that protests are handled sometime. And it has happened in the past. Like, oh, we yeah. have run into this where protests go, go wrong. Kent State, like, and then, back in the 60s, yeah. Just look at St. Louis. Yeah. Like, I mean, you know, like what was happening in Missouri, like, not too long ago. I mean, it, it it's happened before. It will happen again. And it's just each time it happens, we just become more and more desensitized to it. And so we just let it roll. It's like, all right, you know. If it happened once, it's shocking. If it happens twice, it's like, you know, kind of upsetting. If it happens a third time, it's kind of like, well, this is what the norm is now. Right. Yeah. And I mean, like, it's just like it's I'm just so like utterly disturbed by how it makes me feel like. And, and, you know, I've never really like and I've talked on the show about how, you know, I've always spent my career like covering arts and entertainment. And it's not it's been in the last couple of years that like I started covering like real world events for the first time and gaining my own opinions and changing the whole diet, like the, the whole upbringing that I've had. And it's just so scary to see what's happening. And if you feel like you you're unhappy with what's going on. I think that like you should definitely watch this show and really start paying attention to not just the headlines, but clicking deeper than the headlines and getting the real story. Because if you get past those headlines, there is a whole world that you don't even know that's coming. Well, you know, in our previous show that we did last night for this very same (laughs) that you're never going to hear, because I mean, look, man, we try to like say we're a comedy podcast. We want to be like a comedy podcast. But right. every once in a while, there are certain things that come up and it's kind of like, this isn't funny, man. And we can't, it's hard to make something like this funny. Right. Because we don't want to. Like, we want 
people to hear this and be like going, all right, this is kind of more of a, you know, public service announcement more than it is, you know, a comedy sure, show. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like we're, we're yeah, we're like we are at our heart comedy and entertainment, but we're also two Americans that are going to be heavily affected by the changes that are coming. Well, us especially, because now, since we've had operations before, if something ever goes wrong down the line in the future, mm -hmm. they're now pre-existing. So we're kind of fucked right. you know, if, if healthcare goes through the way it is. And chances are you are too, if you've ever had a kid or if you've, God forbid, ever been raped or... Or at this point in time, God forbid, if you ever have or have a daughter because, you know... Right. The, as a parent, you're never not worried about your kid. Like, your head is always thinking about your kids. That's just the way it is. Right. And, you know, you got a 50-50 chance of having, you know, a, a kid that's going to be female. And if you do, your head's going to be spinning even more because your daughter's rights aren't worth shit at this point in time the way things are going like you know they're gonna put up a good fight i mean the women's march and stuff like that but after a but while when the decisions it are being made by a panel that is only white fat old men right because guess what's most guess what i don't remember seeing on the pre-existing condition list erectile dysfunction erectile dysfunction <laughs> I knew it. But pregnancy is a pre-existing condition. So you tell me that your daughters are going to be safe. You tell me that there's a good future that you, Trump voter, gave to the daughters that you should love. Well, you see, in last night's show, <laughs> version, version two, <laughs> <laughs> version two, we were talking about like why people supported him. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important just to touch back on sure. that again, because every once in a while we'll get, you know, an email coming in and, and we rarely, we rarely, rarely touch on politics. But right. when we do, we get letters saying, oh, you guys are just anti-Trump. You guys, you know, and, and it's kind of like, we're not anti-Trump. I didn't vote for him. I don't like him. Right. I think he's an idiot. I thought he was an idiot before he was a president. This is just a personal, you know, like, you might as well just be like a, a reality star. That's what you are. You're a reality right, yeah. star. And now you're running the country. Like, and that's just what happened. Qualified. Like, he became a reality star. People beyond New York who have hated him for years got to know him because we are a trash-loving Kardashian Trump, you know, real housewives, Jersey Shore kind of society. Like right. we live off that shit. And that's what happened. This is like you basically put like a Kardashian in the office, except someone who is much more dangerous and way more stupid. Right. Well, anybody in there would be dangerous because you have access to of course. the ability to change laws, the ability to like, you push know, buttons. overrule things, push <laughs> buttons. Exactly. You have access to the military, right. like the world's strongest. But Here's the thing. There are two groups that supported him. And group one, I can kind of sympathize with because of right. living in Pennsylvania for a while, you know, for, for years. Sure. And that group was, you know, basically talked to directly and told, listen, we're going to come in and we're going to like reopen up 
the coal mines mm -hmm. and you guys are going to have your jobs back and all the stores that are closed in your town right now because coal mining was shut down years ago, all of those stores are going to be able to reopen because you're going to have a self-sustaining economy. Something that no one has told these people in years. And we talked about Detroit last night, how it was once like a mighty city. like Right, a beautiful city that's now... That looks like a post-apocalyptic city with empty skyscrapers that people are squatting in. How, entire neighborhoods that are completely empty. Yeah. And, 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 you know, when somebody goes to these areas and says, look, everyone forgot about you. Like, they did what they could to do and what they had to do to make the environment better. But you know what? That's bullshit. We're not going to be around forever. It doesn't make a difference. Yeah. Let, we're going to give you the ability to come back strong and, right. and bring these things in. How could you not vote for somebody that says that when everybody else is just completely ignoring you? Right. And I, and I totally do get that. Bec and, and especially because I, that's the type of area that I grew up in. You know, I, I grew up in Wilkes-Barre, you know, in, in an area near Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania, which was once a coal mining town. Like northeastern Pennsylvania was a huge, huge coal mine country. And when those mines closed, all went the jobs. I mean, we still have the leftover remnants of, like, the old mines with, like, the piles of, like, what I don't even remember what it's called. Like, it's just, like, when they dig out, like, what's left when they dig out, like, just these big black thing, like, these big black piles of coal remnants. As you drive down the main highway, you know, you see these things. You And you see the desolation. I mean, like, Wilkes-Barre was... And still parts of it is like a completely devastated area. Like you'd walk down this like one little section and it's like empty storefront, empty storefront. Like, oh, yeah. you know, so it's like I, I could see where those type of people would want somebody to, to represent them in a way that they hadn't been spoken to. Well, even during the election, nobody went to them and said, we're going to get jobs for you where this person did. We're going to get jobs for you. But what he didn't say was. Once you get those jobs that were taken away because they were unhealthy for not only the environment, but for you. Right. Because they cause cancer and they cause other things that can, like, kill you. We're going to take away your medical insurance once we give you those jobs back. Basically, what so they're whatever they're giving you, they're taking away by taking your money that you're going to try to pay for your health for. Pretty much. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's basically like... They're euthanizing these people mm -hmm. because they're saying, all right, you're broken, you're poor, like, you know, coming back economically might not ever be possible for you the way things are right now. So the best thing we can do for you is open up these minds, have you kill yourself off, but give you the, you know, the, the idea, idea yeah. that you're on your way back. You're not. And not only are you going to go into these situations and be giving yourself all these health issues that you're not going to be able to cover, but you're also going to be polluting the environment to the point where people who don't live in those areas and, and aren't looking for those jobs are going to be affected by right. those, those issues as well. And we're not going to be covered by the, the health either, the health coverage either because of the way it's going right now. Right. Yeah. And I mean, you know, like these, like you voted for him because he spoke to you and like I can I can get that like I can see that and I can understand that but his actions are not doing anything for you 
because his actions are helping people who sure as hell aren't like you because they make a hell of a lot more money than you do and they're getting a hell of a lot more tax breaks than you do. Yeah, a hell of and, a lot more tax breaks and, and every that, day and, is another cut. And that and that's the thing. Like it's like it's like when you're friends with someone who or you read stories about people, you know, like for example, like a battered woman. You know, like you see her with her black eye and and it's like, "Hey Kathy, why are you still with him?" You know, <laughs> It's like, you know what's happening to her. And she's like, well, you know, because he cuddles her afterward or he tells her, like, I didn't mean it. I was just drunk or it's like that. Like, and it, and it placates you enough that you don't see the real picture. Like, you don't see that you always have a black eye or you always have a bruise or you're so unhappy because that one minute that he holds you and tells you that he loves you, you kind of forget. It's like you take off one of the, like, you know, you take off a, a tower of resentment and like, and then like you have to keep rebuilding it because like it, it's it's you know when a boss like you hate your job and your boss is like hey good job today and you're like wow you know like this went this was really great and then you it doesn't you wipe away that, the fact that right. of why you're so unhappy in that job like one nice thing doesn't take away the whole big picture and you should always get the big picture and start reading the news and start paying attention wow when did your mom get in the room? <laughs> <laughs> well, the big picture was always something that she told me to get, and I do. I know. That's why I'm like going. I feel like that's a speech that's coming. Like you're, I can hear your mom's voice coming out of you right now. Well, sometimes that's not a bad thing. <laughs> well, group two of Trump supporters is just the people who are like, we need to get the black president out of office sure. and put things back in order. Right. There is no sympathy. There's no sympathy for those people. There's no. just not. Like, you know, my parents, they voted they voted Trump. At least I think they did. I know leading up to the elections they were considering it. Knowing that since then, mm-hmm. I have not talked to them about the elections. I haven't asked them who they voted for. I haven't asked them what they think of it, because I don't even want to know what their thought process was. Right. And I feel like at this point in time, even they would have regretted their decision because, you know. They're rational people. Like, they, they are rational people who worked their whole life for what they have. And, right, you and, know, and and they, they know I th- they're smart. But their thing was at the time, leading up to the elections was, like, we cannot have the same thing we've had up to this point in time. You know, like, things just... Things are just falling apart. This country is going to hell. And it's kind of like, was it though? Like unemployment was at an all time low. Like, you know, we had a president who walked in during a like a brutal recession and pulled the, you know, the whole country out of it. And against odds of complete rampant racism. Yeah. I mean, like, it's incredible. Imagine what he could have gotten done if he was white. And it sucks to say that, right. but seriously, at the end of the day, if he was white, he would have been, hands down, the best president of all time, because he would have gotten so much more done and not have had a deal. Right, because there's always been, there's always going to be pushbacks between both sides, no matter what, because that is the way that this con- this country was founded. There are two parties, and they're going to war with each other, but you never saw it to the extent that it was from 2008 to 2016 it was never that just nope not gonna listen nope 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 well i feel like the real racism is coming out more so now that he's out of the white house because people are just openly saying like 
you know. We gave you eight years. That's all you're getting ever. Right. Like, yeah. it's never going to happen again. We're not going back to these ways. This is ridiculous. And then, you know, it's like, what can we take away from these people now? And it's like going and, – and, and I don't mean – black people or any people of like yeah. certain religions These united states is what that he means i mean the majority of people the people of middle class and below like what can we take away from these people to give us more power because really that's all they're doing they're taking away the rights of middle class and below mm-hmm. so that the upper class can just gain more to make sure that they have you know a firm boot on the back of our necks which is exactly what The Handmaid's Tale is all about. Pretty much. So, watch it. It's awesome. Exactly. And to cleanse our palate, you know, I just want to touch briefly on another show that we use to kind of <laughs> cleanse our palate that we really think that you should be watching about. Because, again, we are a comedy podcast. If you love inappropriateness. <laughs> oh, my God. IFC's Brockmire with Hank Azaria is just delicious. And can I say, like, it is so not like a show that we would ever even turn on based on the subject matter of baseball. Right. No, if you if you know us and you listen to our show, you you know, like, we don't really get into it too much because we know you'd all tune us out if we talk had an entire show about hockey, which we would so love to do because Ugh. we love our... One day we'll get a hockey player on this show and you'll, it'll be like the longest show you have ever heard from us. You've been warned. Yes. <laughs> but yes, you know, hockey is our sport. We love it. And baseball is so fucking boring. Well, everything is boring compared to hockey right. when it comes down to it. Come on. Of course, on. of course. But Brock, my, so we were just like, we're not going to watch that. And I mean, even though like the commercials, like we'd see the commercials for it and it'd be like... <laughs> Yeah, you know, we giggle, we'd chuckle, sure. but it's like, no, we're not gonna like watch a stupid show about baseball. Watch the show, like you have to watch the show. It is so brilliant. I found it by accident because I was on the couch, flipping through channels. It it came on. There was an in, there was some inappropriate line as I was passing through, and I go, wait, what? <laughs> and then I like went back to it and I started watching it, and then I watched because it was two out at the time, so I watched two of them. And that, so I saw, well, half of the first one and then part of the whole second one. Mm-hmm. As soon as that was done, when Nikki came home from work that day, I was like, we got to watch this show. Like, seriously, hooked immediately. <laughs> and what's weird is, again, I hate baseball. I hate baseball. But there's not a lot of baseball stuff going on. Right. Like, he's a sports announcer. So, like, you know, you see ports, parts of the game. And but like you're in the booth with him and you're seeing him and like, you know, just as a quick premise, he's like a disgraced former baseball announcer. We've all been there. <laughs> <laughs> not like that. <laughs> or at least not yet. <laughs> all right, huh? We do have microphones in front of us, so I'm sure it's only time. But, you know, he just has this like epic breakdown and he basically becomes like the first like viral video. And it is <laughs> You know, if if it was real, we would have eaten it up a thousand times over. Oh, my God. Yeah. And he just becomes this like meme, like this real life meme. And it's just so funny. And like there's parts there's there's poignant parts, you know, they they touch on abortion in a way that you're like you're you're you're, you can it's a human way to think about abortion. And like and it's like you're you can laugh about the horrors of what somebody who might be contemplating that might go through, you know? So it's mm-hmm. like, 
Yeah, that alcoholism, like drug use, drug use, uh, abandonment issues, inf- infidelity, like it's it has such everything. dark, dark matter, but done in such a humorous way. And if Hank Azari is not like this in real life, like I think I would be brokenhearted. <laughs> <laughs> like I so hope that he is, like not, you know, like I just. Like, you just picture him, like, he plays it so well. I mean, he wrote it, so, like, right. he's acting out the character that he created, so. But what's so cool is, is that, like, you know, and I and I know we, we brought it up now, like, probably three, week, three weeks in a row now on this show, but it is so much, like, you know, it's so relatable, and it's one of those things, like, uh, let's see, like, Californication. Right. Where, you know bad stuff happens in life it's just the way it goes but it's how you approach it like how you pick yourself up from it right so i mean you know you watch every single tv show that's out there for the most part and you know something bad happens and it's always like that somber music and there's like you know people gathering around you big support groups and whatnot and the thing like with Brockmeyer, Californication, it's kind of like that's not the way it is in real life no like you have to find a way to inject humor into things you have to find a way to like get strong when these you know situations happen and these shows they do it's like a real realistic look at like the way things go down absolutely and man brock meyer is just you know like not since californication has something such a dark comedy you know made light of such heavy issues right so totally check out brock meyer if you are a little bit demented and need, need an, if you need a laugh among all the you need a pickup dystopia it's, <laughs> yes it's a, it's a it's a little pickup drug <laughs> so shall we go into a roly poly roddy super duper all right let's play that music roly poly roddy roly poly roddy All right, so what's going on, Rolly Poly Rorty? What is going on this week? Um, you know, I, I, I feel like I plateaued a little bit now. It's been two weeks in a row, same weight. Right, but you have not left the house. Have not left the house. You I haven't walked. Like, I mean, and I know that it's hard for you right now. I know that, the, you know, you've got some health things going on and leaving the house and like even walking, you know, from room to room is kind of a problem. But you haven't been able to get outside and move around, you know, even just to take a walk around the block. And I think that definitely plays a big role in what you're feeling right now. I can see that as being the case. Um, it's It's just so weird, though, because like, even you would think with the amount of rest that I've gotten, I'd be amped up and ready to like be like, oh, I need to get out of here and move around and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's not there, man. I don't have the energy to do like anything at the moment. And what's happening is now, and I got it explained to me luckily this week, I'm getting these weird dizzy things where like if right. I stand up and go to walk into like another room, like a normal person, I'm almost falling over. Because that's how dizzy I'm getting. And it's very scary. Yeah. And I got to like hold on to a wall, hold on to a counter so I don't fall over. It's ridiculous. So I go to the doctor this week to find out about it. They sent me to a heart doctor to get this figured out. Mm-hmm. And basically, what the heart doctor said was it could be a combination of um, the, the medicine that I was on after having the kidney stones removed, because mm-hmm. that's part of it. 
combined with the amount of weight that I had lost and the amount of time. Right, because while we were excited, you know, and being like, holy shit, like we're like 12 months ahead of schedule with this 100 pound weight loss. (laughs) Now it's like the effects of that on your body are kind of starting to come up. Yeah, you start to realize like this is why you probably shouldn't lose 112 pounds in six months (laughs) because other shit's going to wind up breaking down on you because it's not. You know, it, it it's it's not an ease into it. It's kind of like this is what it is. Have they proved like is that's not it's not um like a fact, right? Like they they think that this could be part of the problem that like you lost the weight so quickly that your body's kind of now trying to like because your body stays in kind of like a like after surgery like doesn't your body go into kind of like a survival mode that like yeah well here's how they're figuring it out. They took me off all medication, mm-hmm. right? So if I'm still dizzy and I'm not on medication, then it's the weight loss. That's pretty much how they're looking at it right now because I had a phone call with the doctor today. And that's that's the route they're going with. But what's happening is if I'm laying down, my heart rate, perfect. My blood pressure, perfect. If I sit up, my heart rate speeds up a little bit. My blood pressure drops a little bit. But when I stand... And is that even if you're sitting, like, for a long... Sitting straight up and down. Yep. Like, right now. Like, even if you're just in resting sit mode. Yep. My heart rate speeds up and my blood pressure drops. But when I stand, my blood pressure drops drastically and my heart rate speeds up, like, double from what it was when I was laying down. And have you talked to the bariatric surgery for this? Um, I know your doctor said that she wanted to reach out to him. Yes. And I don't know what the result of that call was like, Mm -hmm. I don't see her again for another two weeks. And, um, I know that she did reach out to him. Mm -hmm. I don't know like what they had discussed or anything at that point in time. I know she did talk to the urologist and said, this medicine does cause dizziness. I want him off it. They agreed to it. They pulled me off of it. Then the heart doctor was like, since he's, you know, since he could be one of these two things, let's eliminate one of them and see if he's still having these same results, which, I am, which is ridiculous because it's like so weird. I mean, I think everybody at some point in time been hit in the head or got knocked out or, you know, or passed out for some Mm -hmm. reason. But it's just weird when you're just like laying down watching TV and then you go to get up to go to the bathroom and all of a sudden it's like you get tunnel vision and you got to take a knee. Right. Uh, You know, it's (laughs) kind of like and it's not just like once. It's pretty much every every time. Every time, right. So so that's what's going on right now. And, you know, and the only reason why I'm bringing this up as part of Roly Poly Rorty is because if, again, you know, you hear all these great stories about bariatric surgery. And, I mean, the results are obviously that, yeah, it works, man, because here I was, you know, like I said, down 112 pounds in six months. Right, and that's so admirable. It works, for sure. But nothing comes without a price like there's always a consequence to whatever it is so if you're considering it just realize there's these weird things that can like happen down the road again the only reason why i'm mentioning it just to right so it is worth you know speaking to your doctor about all the possibilities you know do your research you know listen to people who have like Tom, you know, had the surgery and, you know, weigh all the options, no pun intended. Yeah. And don't, you know. And don't be afraid things? to ask. Like you need, like the more you know, the better off like you're going to be and the more prepared you're going to be for what type of life 
and what type of side effects, you know, await you. Right. And I, and I really think that in a situation like, you know, if you need to get it, you get it and you're like, you're trying to research it when you're researching. And I feel like everybody does the same thing with every bariatric support group. They go on and they're like, I want to see before and after pictures. I want to know how long it was took to lose weight. I want to know, you know, what the diet was like. We see you readers that comment. That's who you're, he's talking to right now. But, but you know, I get it. Nobody wants to like look at like what we what, want a quick fix. Right. What what what's going to be the downfall yeah, of this? Yeah, what's like, the end game? Yeah, yeah, like somebody tell me that horror story. There aren't a lot of people asking for people's horror stories. And there are a lot of horror stories right. when it comes down to it. And it's not just gaining the weight back. It's this shit. Dude, I'm losing more I'm losing weight or staying the same by laying down on the couch right now. But at the end of the day, I'm stuck on the couch right now. So, just something to think about. Right, definitely. And that's it for Roly Poly Roddy this week. I feel like this was the Tom show. I feel like it was like the Nikki you show. You were talking a lot. You were talking a lot. You listen to it. You listen you, to it after it's all yeah. edited and ready to go, and you'll you'll hear yeah, it. I want you to keep track of the time because there were just monologues of yours oh, <laughs> wow. see i feel like i'm on such low energy right now that i don't even feel like i'm doing anything at this point in time right but at least there's a microphone in front of your mouth that's true as there always should be <laughs> of course if you'd like to learn more about the high regard show check out our website at highregardshow.com and you can always email us at highregardshow at gmail.com and we're on every social media outlet that you could possibly think about as High Regard Show. Very clever, very easy, very... You could spell all those words, I'm sure. I guess. <laughs> all right, It's open. It depends on what part of the country you're listening from. Thank you very much, everybody, for listening, and we'll be back next week. Praise be. <laughs> Have a good night, everyone. Thank you.